Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Today we want to talk about how to find meaning in our lives. What gives our lives meaning and why is having meaning so important? Amy, how would you define meaning? Well, first, I would define meaning as something that makes me feel all warm and gooey inside. Like a chocolate chip cookie? Like a peanut butter chocolate chip cookie, oh, Brittany. Excuse me. Get it right. <laughs> God. I will be honest. Those cookies give my life meaning. <laughs> I also think that meaning makes me feel motivated to wake up every morning and to have this thing that I'm living for. Like right now, I get so much meaning from meeting with Brittany every week and recording the podcast and interacting with all of you listening who reach out to us via email or or via Instagram. Having meaning in my life, it just makes my life so much richer and so much fuller. That's so sweet that you get meaning from hanging out with me. Do you mean it? Yeah, Brittany, Aww. you give so much meaning to my life. Have you ever had a period in your life or... Maybe that's now. Where Hold you've... on. When you say period, do you mean like a time period? Not a menstrual, like a menstrual period. period. <laughs> if I have ever asked you if I've ever had a period, yeah, I've had a lot. Have you ever had a time period oh, okay, in your yeah, life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's now. Maybe that was in the past where you felt like you've not had a purpose or any meaning in your life. Well, let me tell you a story. Ooh, a saga. At the time, I don't think that I realized that the real core issue is that I was suffering from a lack of meaning. I just remember when I was in my mid-20s, I was just, I felt really depressed. I felt empty. I felt hollow. I felt like there was nothing to live for. I felt like endometriosis was my entire life. So by that, I mean all of the symptoms and the pain and the diarrhea and the sleepless nights because of pain and the pain that came with food and the pain that came with sex. And just did I mention all of the pain that came with endometriosis? I think a couple times. <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> Have you experienced pain in your life? Is that what you're trying to tell us? A lot of pain, Brittany. Oh, not occasional little twinges here and there? Every single day, chronic pain. Oh. And sometimes debilitating pain. Somehow and sometimes I miss vomiting that. pain and sometimes writhing on the ground pain and sometimes... Hmm. Pain in my anus and sometimes pain in my vagina. And this is total news to me. I had no idea. Sometimes pain in the head with a migraine. I mean, just pain. Sometimes yeah, pain of... in the neck when you're dealing with me. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pain. So as I said, I didn't realize that I was feeling, life was feeling so meaningless for me. I just felt empty and depressed and like I was so overwhelmed by all of my pain. And this one day that sticks out to me, I remember that 
Alice in Wonderland had come out in 3D. So I went with my boyfriend and another couple of ours. So I don't know when this was, like maybe 2009 or something like that. So kind of a long time ago. So we were in the theater and we had the 3D glasses on, you know, we were watching Alice in Wonderland and it was such a fantastical adventure, right? Like Alice is there in her, in her beautiful dress and the Mad Hatter's there and the dragon and they're going to slay the dragon or I don't even remember what happened because the truth is I spent about half of the movie <laughs> in the bathroom. What a shame. In the bathroom with diarrhea. Thank you. Why don't they have seats in the movies that are just toilets? Like maybe you could have like a section in the back where you had like a row of toilets and then they each had oh, like a door, but then there was like a small window where you could still view the movie screen and you could hear the surround sound. So is everyone going to hear you having diarrhea and also smell you while they're trying mm, to eat their popcorn? Or? I guess yeah. I hadn't thought through this plan. <laughs> but there are some movie theaters that in the bathroom stall on the floor, <gasps> there is a screen and you can press a button and hear the movie while you're using <gasps> the bathroom. No. You don't miss it. Yeah, that totally exists. Oh, my God. That would have been so great because I'm like, I have no idea what's happening with Alice. But the queen keeps saying, off with your head. And she's <laughs> running and there's a dragon. And it, was, it got confusing. But it was like such a movie that could suck you in with the fantasy, right? And so you were just so – I was so absorbed by the movie. And it was just so – like Alice was so wonderful. And Alice didn't have chronic diarrhea. And Alice didn't have chronic pain. And Alice's vagina didn't have stabbing pains. And Alice's anus didn't have pain when she went poop. And Yeah, we know. We know. Pain. We got it. The pain. Okay, okay, the pain, yeah. the pain. The pain. <laughs> the pain. The pain. The pain. The pain. Alice in pain land. Alice in pain land. Yes, that's where we're going to be. Amy in pain land. <laughs> In 3D. Oh, wow. That's just what I need, the squirting of blood on my face. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like when you go to those theaters in, like, Disneyland and they have all the sauce. Like, Spray the, the water in your face. Yeah. <laughs> this is Amy's experience on a period. Oh, just splattered in blood and vomit. Just what I wanted in this experience. The Thank seat you. moves back and then the seat in front of you, like, comes out. Crams and it's like, into you. <laughs> yeah. It's like a rubber hand punches you in the gut and you're like, this is what it feels like. It and you're stabs like, I don't... you and you're like, oh, now I'm bleeding out. Cool. I need a doctor. <laughs> I don't want it to... And then you go to the, then the doctor comes in and he's like, I think this is all on your head. <laughs> that feels too accurate. <laughs> like, oh, God, is this real life? <laughs> that hit too close to home. <laughs> is this 3D or real life? I can't be sure anymore. So anyways, the movie was wonderful. And the movie ended and my boyfriend and the two friends we were with got up and I could not get up from the seat. Like I just felt like my body felt so deflated and so heavy and so hollow. I felt like I could not get up. We were all still wearing 3D glasses. I started sobbing. And I remember they were looking at me with the 3D glasses. And I was thinking, we all look so ridiculous. And they were like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I couldn't talk. I was just sobbing and bawling my eyes out. And what was wrong was the movie was over. And now I had to go back to my life. That's what was wrong. When I was in the theater watching Alice in Wonderland, I was so engrossed and living vicariously in this incredible life that Alice had. And then the movie ended and it was like, now I have to go back to my life, my life with the stabbing vagina pain, the stabbing anus pain and the stabbing the pain, pain, the pain, the pain, the pain, the pain, the pain. <laughs> Amy in pain land. Or would it be painderland? I mean, either. It's your land. <laughs> well, I think what your typically long-winded answer shows us. 
You love my stories. I do. That's why I ask you for them. <laughs> and so does Suki. She sits enthralled. Okay. We don't have to compare everything to Suki. Suki's a good listener who never talks <laughs> back to me. Because she can't run away from you or talk back. <laughs> she can run away. And yes, she can meow. Oh, okay. Sometimes Do you understand she wants, what she says? Yeah. Sometimes when I stop talking about myself, she meows and I'm like, oh, you want me to change the subject back to me? <laughs> wow, narcissist. <laughs> That's why you're a cat owner. <laughs> okay. So after right, your right, long-winded yeah, yeah, blah, story. Blah, blah, get all beautiful. Then we had to talk it. about your cats for five minutes. <laughs> Hammer it up. 30 seconds, exaggerative. All right, hammer it home. Be all, I'm exaggerating. Be all Britney with your, I'm going to make a really good point in a soothing voice that just completely makes Amy look like that she never makes good choices and she lives a really pathetic, sad life where she's always you're crying projecting. and in pain. Amy in painderland. I mean, this is what you hired me for. I mean, became friends with me for. <laughs> Please note, Britney makes no money on the podcast. Nor do I. (laughs) My blood, sweat, tears, and money have gone into Our money goes into it. We don't get money out of it. (laughs) All right, all right. We're we're so off track. What were you going to ask me? I was crying (laughs) in 3D glasses, Alice in Painterland. Yes. Amy was sad. Amy was hollow. Well, it just made me think (gasps) after your story. Amy didn't have a cat then. That's probably why. Okay, that's probably not why. (laughs) Well, okay, partially yes, because I think what your story made me realize was that The reason you didn't want to go back to your life was, of course, living it was very challenging and very difficult, but also you didn't feel like you had a reason to do so. You didn't feel like there was something worth going back to in your life. During that hour and a half of Alice in Wonderland, that brought you joy, that brought you meaning, because that was something positive, that was something for you to feel invested in and excited about. But once that was over, you didn't have anything else. So you didn't have any joy. You didn't have anything to look forward to. And I think that's why you felt so depressed when the movie was over. When the movie was over, I just kept saying to my friends who were so confused and asking so kindly, like, what's happening? Why are you upset? Like, are you not feeling good? Like, what's going on? And I just kept saying to them, what's the point? What is the point? What, what is the point of living this life? When it's just going to be pain and suffering and there's nothing that brings me joy. And I don't have a cat, but I didn't realize it at that time, how much joy I get from my kitty. But what is, what is the point? And that's just what I like really stuck with me at that time. I just felt like everything was so pointless. And now I can understand that by pointless, I meant meaningless. I think that being in chronic pain every single day and living with symptoms, symptoms that can be so devastating, like the symptoms that many of us have with endometriosis, it can really carve a hole in your soul. And that's what I identified at the time is that I just, I felt so empty inside. And when I kept asking, what is the point? What is the point? I want to be clear that it's not that I wanted to give up or that I didn't want to live. Like, I want to live. I just didn't want to live my life anymore in the life that I had. I wanted to live a different life, like the life of Alice in Wonderland or the life of my boyfriend who we lived together. And he didn't have all of these problems of stabbing vagina pain and crippling menstrual pain and stabbing anus pain. And pain, 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 pain. (laughs) 
I wanted to be alive and I wanted to have a happy life, a joy-filled life, a meaningful life, but I just couldn't understand where I was going to get that as a person living with these crippling symptoms from endometriosis. Do you remember a time in your life where you had meaning and then suddenly didn't have it anymore? Like, was there a switch in your life where you went from having meaning to suddenly feeling like there wasn't any purpose for your life anymore? (gasps) Oh my God, Brittany, this happens every single time that I'm at home with my cats and I'm feeling so happy and so warm and so full of love and so full of joy. And then I leave the house. Oh, <laughs> I don't know my kitties any longer and I can't see them. I mean, I have pictures on my phone and I can look at them you have hundreds of pictures all day long and I can show them to people who are like, yeah, yeah, you're a cat mom. But it's not the same as saying, Suki. And then she comes, meow. So I think every time I leave the house, I lose meaning. Okay, that was a nice story, but I, it's not exactly what I was looking for. I mean... Well, then maybe you should be more specific with your question. I feel like I was quite specific, but you just jumped at the chance to talk about your cats anyway. So let me rephrase the question. You've already showed me 10 since you got to my house. So, And that is true. (laughs) Anyway, let's, let's try to rephrase. So, I mean, like a deeper shift. When you leave the house, you still have your cats. So the meeting returns to you. But a shift from having meaning to suddenly not being able to find meaning. Like maybe it was when you first got sick. Oh, I see. Okay, so you want to explore when I first got sick. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think I can pinpoint like a specific day or time that meaning left my life, but I definitely think that getting sick shattered my identity, just like it has done for so many people who get sick with chronic illness. I think it just comes in and the life that we are living and the person that we know ourselves to be And the activities that we love doing, like in my case, I was in high school and I played tennis and I, in my senior year, was the captain of the varsity tennis team. And I was also on the track team and I also did karate, or should I say karate? Oh, thank you. Not that I could hurt anyone because (laughs) I couldn't, but it was fun. And so I was really athletic and I did all these athletic activities and I actually had muscles and my butt was so well-formed and (laughs) perky. Yeah, up in my butt cheeks, not like now. (laughs) I really need to do Taibo again. So I had these things that I loved doing and this life that I'd built for myself and this person that I identified myself to be. I was this athletic person who did these activities And then when I got sick, it just all of that was taken away from me. Suddenly I was in so much pain, 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 and I had fatigue and I could no longer be on the tennis team or doing karate or running. And then next thing I knew, I was in bed all the time and I couldn't leave my bed because of my pain, because of my fatigue. And I think endometriosis, it can just come in like a wrecking ball and it just completely shatters our identities. And I think when that happens, We lose so much meaning in our lives, and we don't even realize that that's what's happening. Like when I think about some of the things that I lost when I first got sick, I was really social. I loved hanging out with my friends. I had a job in a restaurant where I waited tables, and it was just, it was a pizza place in my town. And so I knew all the families that came in, and we would always be able to chat. And I would always chat with customers all night long. And I had to quit that job 
because I was too sick to keep going. I could no longer go hang out with my friends because I was too sick. All the different foods that I loved eating were taken away, right? Because all these different foods started making me really, really sick. I could no longer eat my mom's homemade spaghetti and meatball. Your Italian is showing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I feel like all of those things may seem like little things, but they're not little things to us because those are the little things that make up our lives that make us feel like us. With illness, we can end up losing all of these little things, these little details of our lives that make us feel like who we are. Playing tennis, eating spaghetti and meatballs on Sundays, working as a waitress in that restaurant, those were things that I felt that made me, me. And then I felt like because of endometriosis, all of the things that made my life special, all of the hobbies and the routines that I did for years, We're gone. Poof. In a puff of smoke. The bunny came out of the hat. No, nothing came out of the hat. (laughs) The bunny disappeared. And with that disappeared all the meaning. Until I met Brittany and got my kitty and then I got my meaning back. But for the last decade, (laughs) it has been one meaningless, soul-sucking, depressing Pain in my vagina, pain in my anus, pain in Pain in painderland. It's just not even Amy anymore. It's just pain in painderland. (laughs) What I learned to start asking myself a few years ago is, is how can I find meaning in my life? How can we have meaning even with the limitations that might come with living with endometriosis? Even with the... Go ahead, Brittany. Pain, 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 pain. Oh, I made that into a song for you. Thank you, Brittany. I'll sing it every night before I go to bed as a lullaby. That's not a okay. Anyway, pain, 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 stabbing my vagina. Why do we get those pains in our vaginas? Why do we get those pains? Pain, pain, pain. The anus, I understand. There's endo in the rectum. Poop passes through the anus. It hurts. Wow, this song has a verse. (laughs) (laughs) But the pain in the vagina, stabby, stabby, painy, painy. Who knows why? Certainly not any doctors. (laughs) (laughs) They never believe you. (laughs) Anyways, they say it's because you're all in our heads. They say, oh, Freud said it's because you don't like to have sex. (laughs) Well, yeah. Why are we bringing psychosomatics up here? Why are we bringing psychotherapy? (laughs) Nobody asked you, Sigmund. (laughs) Freud, your obsession with how everything relates to sex has ruined. Too far. Too far. (laughs) So where was I? Oh, I was I was meditating, musing, pondering. <laughs> what was I pondering? Pondering how can we find meaning even when we cannot do our favorite activities, even when we're bedridden from pain, 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 pain. How can we bring meaning back into our lives if we feel like our identity is shattered? I'm going to let you in on a secret, Amy. Are you ready? Oh, my God. You're going to tell me a secret? I'm going to tell you and everybody a secret. Please let it be that I won the lottery and didn't realize. No, um, I had kept that a secret and just tapped into your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Note to self. Check bank account this weekend. <laughs> Amy and I may share a lot of things, but we don't share that. <laughs> no, the secret is anything can give you meaning. I know. It sounds lofty. Anything? I know. Yes. What about a potato chip? 
I mean, if you really love that potato chip and it brings you joy, then sure. What about a cockroach? I mean, if you like to have cockroaches as pets, maybe, or they bring you a lot of joy, sure. They bring my cats joy. Yeah, I could see that. So I do appreciate a good a good roach in the house. <laughs> oh, Lord. We'll give at least 20 minutes of playtime to the kittens, okay? <laughs> what about painting my nails? Absolutely. Something that's a ritual and brings you joy and makes you feel confident about yourself absolutely can bring you meaning. What about getting the mail from your mailbox? If you like doing that and getting mail is exciting, which for some people it is, then sure. What about getting gas at the gas station? I mean, it's a little stinky. Ethanol doesn't smell great, but if that gives you meaning, sure. What about pooping? Yes, if you like pooping, which I'm not sure many of us do. I mean, who doesn't love (laughs) releasing that pressure in the abdomen? That is pretty great. I mean, I don't love like the act of pooping because that's pretty painful. I love like how I feel. Pooping being over. Yeah, when you finish (laughs) pooping. That's pretty great. It feels liberating. Okay, but Amy, I think, you know, you're, we're going to talk more about specific things that can give you meaning. All right. Can I talk one more thing about okay. pooping? Okay. And cats. I, I knew you were going to go with the cats. Right. <laughs> okay. I was trying to cut you off before we got to All the right. cats. All right. So did you know, because every time, okay, if you have a cat, pay attention. After the cat poops, have you ever noticed that the cat usually gets really, like, excited? Like, after my cat poops, they, like, zoom around the house, like, super excited, and they run on the bed, and they run under the bed, and they run in the kitchen, and they jump up on the counter, and they run down, and they chase each other, and they go find me, and they meow, and then they run away, and they bite my ankles, and they come back, and they want to play with the string. Woo! And they're, like, solid five minutes every time the cat poops. So I looked it up on the internet. I was like, why does my cat get excited after pooping and, like, run around the house after pooping? And it was like, did you know that when cats poo, it stimulates some nerve that gives them, like, some pleasure. So they kind of get this, like, euphoric feeling after they poo. Probably has to do with the fact that pooping is very vulnerable. And typically when you do that in the wild, if you're pooping, you're not very safe while you're doing that. <laughs> so then after you get, like, an energy spike. It's like and then a you're... dopamine release. Like, oh, I'm unsafe, but I have to poo. So I pooed, get the dopamine. Let's run. <laughs> run up the tree, run down the tree, find the bird, run away, find the <laughs> That's, you know, it's like. Well, you know, pooping's really hard, but I'm going to get that dopamine release after. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. Seriously, I want a dopamine release after pooping, like, so badly. (laughs) I'm like, do I have this nerve? How can I not? I'm not, what? Only felines have it? Ridiculous. Darn it. (laughs) This is a lie. I want it implanted. (laughs) Okay, but back to the real point, which was not how cats have a pleasure nerve that when they poop, they get stimulated and have (laughs) zoomies. That's not what the point of this was. Anybody tired of hearing about Amy's cats? Raise your hand. Oh, look, everybody's <laughs> raising their hands at home. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Amy. You can talk about your cats till you're blue in the face. No one is raising their hands, okay? <laughs> I think some were. A few people. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, the point is, though. Fine. That- I will zip it. No more cat talk. It's about meaning. I love my cat. This is an episode basically about cats. I mean, to you, it's an episode about your cats. But to everybody else, it's an episode about what gives them meaning, which is not your cats. (laughs) Well, it should be because they're cute. (laughs) Okay. The point is anything can give you meaning, even Amy's cats. (laughs) If this episode so far has piqued your interest about meaning and you want to know more or know from somebody else's perspective, which we highly recommend, there's a really great book, which is called Man's Search for Meaning, and it's by Viktor Frankl. So Victor was a Holocaust survivor, and he wrote about 
the immense suffering that he endured while he was in the concentration camp Auschwitz. He talked about how he got through it, how he got through every day, every hour, how he found meaning in things just to survive every single moment, enduring such intense suffering with no end in sight. Something that I took away from that book was that meaning is personal to every individual and that it can change constantly from minute to minute to hour to hour or over the years. This was actually eye-opening for me because when I thought of what gives my life meaning, it made me think of the Mother Teresa type meaning where it's these big sweeping things like ending world hunger or having a high-powered job or having a family or accumulating wealth. It sounds like all these really big, lofty goals. And after reading that book, I came to understand that meaning doesn't have to be these huge, out-of-reach things. Meaning can be much smaller and much more particular to who I am as a person. And it can be many things all at once. It can be one thing every now and then. It can change from day to day. And that helped me to find more things that actually were already giving me meaning in my life. I just didn't realize that they were. Ooh, Brittany, like what? What was giving you meaning that you didn't realize? I'm glad you asked. Oh, I hope you mentioned my name. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) I mentioned your name at the beginning of the episode. So I think there's things that we do because we enjoy doing them, but we don't realize that they actually give purpose to our lives. I enjoy being in the box recording with Amy every week, but I didn't realize that it actually had purpose, that my purpose was to engage with all of you wonderful folks who are listening and to have this special time with Amy. And that gave my life meaning. And every week I look forward to this pocket of time we have together as a group. <laughs> See, was that thank, nice? Thank you, <laughs> Thank you. And what else? Before you met me. Before I met you. Can you meet it? <laughs> your tears. They power me. <laughs> Amy has ugly cry. Thinking about all the beautiful things that Brittany said. <laughs> well, that's a, a slightly bigger one. I mean, I think doing something like a podcast is a slightly bigger meaning. But I even think of the all right, small what give, things. What gives you meaning on the days that I don't come over? Because I only come oh, over okay. once a week. What gives you meaning on the other six? Sad, lonely... <laughs> Depressing, boring. Well, I'll tell you what I get on seven tiring, days a week. Lengthy, never ending. <laughs> like recording with you. Lengthy, never ending. <laughs> Small day to day things, like when I wake up in the morning, as soon as my dog hears my alarm go off, it's time to wake up. And she jumps up on the bed and she kisses us good morning. And then she's like, okay, it's time to wake up. So every morning, I hate getting up in the morning. I'm not a morning person. But when the alarm goes off, I know that my dog is going to greet me and she's going to be so joyful to see me. And so I feel joy to see her. So every morning, my first thought isn't, oh, I have to get up. It's, oh, where's Amira? She's going to come up and say good morning to me. Look who's talking about her pet now, little wow, miss. I one forbid time. you to talk about your pet, but I'm going to talk about my pet. Let's it's have a, a listener run a tally. How many times has Amy <laughs> talked about her cats and how many times has Brittany talked about her dog? I think we're going to see that one talks about it a lot more than the other. <laughs> oh, Brittany, you're going to come out really badly in this tally. <laughs> I don't think I am. <laughs> 
But that's one small thing that gives me joy. It can be little things like I really like to bake. And so when I've accomplished something or I've, you know, I have the routine of looking up a recipe and getting all the supplies together and then I accomplish baking it, it feels joyful to do that. And when I give that to my partner and I cause him to feel joy, then that also gives me meaning. I find joy in being kind to others and helping other people feel the love that I feel for them. That brings me meaning. Sometimes it can be finding meaning in things like sitting outside and hearing the birds chirp. And I find myself in nature in that moment in a part of the world and I feel meaning in that. Or reading a really good book, learning something from it, or just enjoying it. Sometimes it's putting on makeup and feeling like, wow, cool, I look great. That was really fun for me. Art is a really great place to find meaning. And sometimes after I have a really good poo, I find meaning in that, so much meaning that I get up and I race around the house and I zoom and I zoom and I zoom and I jump on the bed and I jump up and down and I jump on the table and jump up and down, jump on the counter and I run over to my dog and I play with her really, really fast and then I run over to my husband and say, hi, 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 and then I run around my apartment, run around my apartment. Wait, I don't think I do that. (laughs) It's interesting because listening to you talk about all the things that give you meaning, some of those things are so tiny and so insignificant and things that I think we would completely gloss over or take for granted, like sitting out on the balcony or reading a good book or having a good poo. Although that is never overrated. A minimal pain poo is like, <laughs> ooh. It's like, oh, I will never take that for granted. Heck no. But I think it goes to show that moments of joy are all around us at all times. They're not in these big, huge, lofty, reasons for living that there's so many day-to-day activities and routines and habits and hobbies that we have and that we do that ultimately bring meaning to our life it's just a question of paying attention and realizing that and not taking that for granted and really being in the moment to be able to appreciate those things the book that Brittany mentioned which is called man's search for meaning by victor frankel i also read that book I actually read that book about a year after the whole Alice in Wonderland crying in 3D glasses happened. And after I read that book, it was pretty life-changing for me because it made me realize that more things could give my life meaning than I realized. And, and that if I wanted to have meaning again, that I could be more flexible in the things that gave me meaning. And I hadn't made that realization until I read that book. And so this whole time when I felt like my identity got shattered, and I think that it is appropriate and normal and necessary to grieve the loss of these identities of this person that we once were before we got sick and before this illness began to ravage and devastate our lives. But in my case, at that point, I was 26 years old, like a whole decade had gone by and I still was looking backwards. I was still looking backwards at the person that I had been when I was in high school 10 years ago. I used to play tennis and I used to be athletic and I used to run and now I can't and now I can't. I used to be able to eat all these foods, but now my life is so limited and so restricted and it's so much smaller and so much less of a life than I was able to live 10 years 10 years prior, 
I mean, Amy, like, let go already, right? And so that's what I realized when I read this book was like, okay, like, I spent time grieving. I grieved the loss of who I felt I was. I grieved the loss of the meaning that those activities brought my life. And after reading that book, I realized I was ready to move on and to find new things that could bring meaning to my life. In fact, I think that book empowered me and enabled me to realize that new things could bring meaning to my life, that I could assign a new activity just as much meaning as I had assigned playing tennis. You know, playing tennis was so important to me because my grandma was actually the champion of New England. And I began playing tennis at four years old in America, because I know in a lot of countries it's not like this, but in America, oh my gosh, there's tennis courts, free tennis courts in so many places, especially at high schools. And so we lived like 10 minutes down the road from a tennis court and we could go and we used to spend every single weekend since I was four years old playing tennis, me, my grandma, my sister, my dad. And it was so much fun and it was an activity that we did as a family. And I just have so many memories playing tennis. And in the summers, my parents would put me in tennis camp at the local rec department, a way to keep me out of their hair all day. But for me, it was like, yeah, I'm playing tennis. It's the best ever. Oh, yeah. It was a day camp, you know. And so you'd go from like eight to five and play tennis. And so just tennis had so much meaning and importance to me. And when I lost that, it just felt like what is going to fill me the way tennis filled me. After I read the book, Man's Search for Meaning, I realized that, yes, I loved the activity of playing tennis, but what I really loved is all the things that it brought me. It brought me connection with my family. It brought me when I was on the tennis court and I was, you know, running on the court and hitting the ball and hearing that like really satisfactory, like, thunk, thunk, the racket against the ball, like, it brought me like a sense of openness and freedom and being in the flow and being in the fresh air, a feeling that I was using my body, a feeling of being athletic, of having vitality, of having of being powerful. You know, it brought all of these feelings to me. And that's what I love so much about tennis, apart from the activity itself. But guess what? All of the things that playing tennis brought me, the things that I loved and the things that were so beneficial to my physical and mental well-being, all of those things I could find in other activities. And I now have found them in other activities. For example, now I have connection with my family through game night with my family. I have the feeling of using my body and being athletic and the feeling of being in the flow when I do yoga. I have the feeling of getting fresh air and being outside Sorry, Brittany. When I walk my cat every day. That's it. That's all that's I said. Fair. It's that's an activity. Fair. Okay. Totally fair. I found new ways to incorporate meaning into my life and have other beautiful moments of joy. And here's the thing. I really don't miss playing tennis anymore. I did at the beginning. I mean, I did for the 10 years that I was so sad and obsessed that I couldn't play tennis. But as I began to expand and be open and be flexible, once I found these new activities, I felt full again and purposeful. And for the first time, 13 years after I stopped playing tennis, I was able to donate my tennis racket that I hadn't used in 13 years that was just in my closet 
And every time I looked at it, I would feel this like weird guilt in this hole in my heart. And I was able to make peace with my tennis racket and donate it to a secondhand shop. I think if we're in a time period, to specify, not a menstrual period, if we're in a time period in our lives where we feel like we don't have meaning or we have really little meaning, it can be quite hard to find the meaning and to find things that give our life purpose. So a really good way to start is to find things that you like, just plain like to do. Brittany, what if I don't know what I like? I don't know what I like. I mean, I spend most of my time on the toilet, in bed with fatigue, in pain. I don't know what I, I mean, what do I like? You know what you can do from the toilet and in the bed is Google hobbies. Yes, my phone usually is in my hand. (laughs) You are correct. (laughs) Just Google like fun, low impact things to do or hobbies or crafts or even you can get as small as things to do when you're really tired. I've looked for that before. (laughs) There's so many different lists out there of things that apply to people of all kinds with people of resources of all kinds and access of all kinds and just trying things out. So, okay, I Google hobbies and it says, okay, a hobby is train building. Maybe I try that. And I say, that was not for me. Well, and I also think like when you were like, ooh, train building, I was like, eh, train building. But here's the thing. Don't knock it until you've tried it. Exactly. Because some of the hobbies that I have now, I'm like, how did I get this hobby? Because you just tried it and you liked it. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm surprised at the things that I like doing. Yeah. Like I am a person who really likes small technical details. So something like train building actually is fun for me. But you might like things more like painting or things like playing with Play-Doh or coloring. And there can also be things that aren't necessarily arts and crafts related, like learning an instrument or doing crosswords or Sudoku or brain games or riddles. Also things like learning about a new topic. I know that when I find a topic that piques my interest, going down that rabbit hole of knowledge can be really consuming and interesting. And then you feel like you came out with so much knowledge and that's really fun. Oh my God, you just reminded me of that series that we did on Lupron and Orlissa. That, <laughs> that rabbit like hole. Five episodes <laughs> that we were so obsessed and I spent like Honestly, I must have spent several sleepless nights because I just got so obsessed with like, and I was like, you need to go to bed. And I was like, but I have to learn But more. there's more to know. So yeah, I feel like the rabbit hole of like deep knowledge can be pretty addictive. Yeah, but it can be really fun to come out and, and know that knowledge. And it can be really fulfilling too to find meaning in searching after the breadcrumbs of that knowledge. And it can be something that brings you joy and something that you like. I think also it can be helpful to think of things that you liked doing when you were a child because a lot of us when we were children we had different hobbies and dreams and interests like maybe we love riding our bikes or gardening does making mud pies in the backyard count as gardening (laughs) when i said gardening i was more thinking like we used to sneak in the neighbor's yard and then we'd eat fresh raspberries off of the raspberry bush yeah i did that too (laughs) Mm. but sometimes we can think about the things that we did when we were younger It can be helpful to think about the things that we did when we were younger. Sometimes when we become adults and we're so old and we... So busy. Yeah, too busy for our hobbies, too cool for school. I was too cool for school. But too cool to, like, I can't paint anymore. I can't play with Play-Doh. That's for children. 
Who says? Well, that's the thing. It's like coloring. It's not for children. That's why they make adult coloring books. Many of the things that we did as children can bring us just as much joy now or more. So just not being afraid to try different hobbies that might be considered like, oh, it's for kids to play with dolls. Like, I like to play with dolls. I have a bunch of troll dolls. And they're all named after the Greek gods. No. And sometimes when I'm ha- in a bad mood, I just like make them act out scenes. I'm just like, oh, this thing happened at work. And then Zeus is like, oh, tell me about it. And, <laughs> and then, you know, Xena comes in and she's like, I will slay that work project. <laughs> and you would be surprised at how much stress relief you can get. It's like talking through your problems just through the voices of dolls. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> through the high-pitched voices of troll dolls with the little hairs in there. <laughs> I think it's important to remember that There should be no judgment in what you find joy in. I love to color in a Harry Potter coloring book. Okay, sorry. I'm going to stop you right there unless it involves hurting people. Okay. If it doesn't harm somebody else and brings you joy, there is no judgment. So I, like I said, I like to color in a Harry Potter coloring book. I once had a friend say to me, like, you do that? That seems really, like, silly. I said, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I don't. You were like, your words can't hurt me. Sticks and stones break my bones. (laughs) Words can never hurt me. But I did for a second feel like, oh, they're judging me for doing this. And then I thought, what do you do? Like, so I asked her. (laughs) You're so pathetic. What do you do? Yeah, I call her and it brings me joy and stress relief. And I feel really good. Now, what do you do? Oh, you cry yourself to sleep at night? (laughs) Relatable. I also do that. But I do color beforehand. No, I I did, though. I asked her, well, what what hobbies do you have? And she wasn't trying to be rude or anything. And she said, well, I don't have any. I said, well, maybe you should try coloring a Harry Potter coloring book. And I actually bought her. It wasn't a Harry Potter one. It was a Scenes of the French Countryside, because that's what she was into. I bought her that coloring book, and after I gave it to her, a year later, she had finished every single page in the coloring book. I haven't even done that. So sometimes people just need a little push, and so maybe this is the little push for you to start a hobby. And nobody should judge you for the hobbies that you have, because if it brings you joy, then it's purposeful, then it has meaning, then it's important. I have a suggestion. Oh, it is a genius suggestion. Thank you. That is why I thought of it. I'm so ready. From, came from me. I thought of it after I had a really good poo. And then I was like, ooh, ooh, I got this suggestion as I ran around the house. And I jumped on the counter. And then I jumped on the floor. And then I jumped on the table. And then I ran over there. And then I ran out of the kitchen. And then I ran out the balcony. And I just said, meow. And then I ran back to my boyfriend. And he was like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I just really want to talk really fast. And I don't know what's wrong with me. And I just feel like it's happening because I had to poo. Tanderland has taught you so many useful things. <laughs> so but they're always like, oh, you have to turn in this work project in like an hour and you haven't done anything. And we thought it would take at least a whole day's work. And you're like, hold on. I'm just going to go have a poo. I'll BRB. I'm going yeah, <laughs> to go have a poo and then I'm going to speed through that project. <laughs> like, wow, you always turn everything in right on time, but really well done. What's your secret? I'm like, I poo a you lot. You hold your poo for at least 24 hours. So you can get a really good dopamine rush afterwards. <laughs> gaming the system (laughs) it's kind of like drinking coffee but but just happens when you (laughs) poo (laughs) so i want to suggest that every single day and this is going to sound really simple but it is going to be absolutely life-changing just tell me you commit i have to give the big lead in Brittany. okay okay i'm ready because if I just say oh you should do this and i'm like yeah yeah amy said we should do this okay zone out no 
I never need you zone to, out when you're talking. I need. I know. I'm so enthralling. <laughs> I need you to zone in. Okay, I am. Okay, I need you to concentrate. I, I need am. you to really listen. That this, this can actually be life changing if you do it. Okay. Okay. You have to find something as we previously established that brings you joy. So step one is you figured out what brings you joy, and it could be many things. You could have five things that bring you joy. Step two, the life changing step. It is not enough. To just know what brings you joy. You're like, oh, I have joy from Harry Potter coloring books, which I'm sorry, by the way, like childish. Who does that, Brittany? Like, <laughs> what are you people? <laughs> I was the friend. No, no. Actually, I was not the friend that made fun of Brittany. No, who, I mean, it's not judge. <laughs> no. But it is not enough to know that you love doing that. You have to also do it. But guess what? What, Amy, what? Oftentimes, we're just... Quote unquote, I'm too busy. I quote unquote have too many obligations. My quote unquote to do list is too long. We find all of these reasons why we cannot fit joy into our life. There's all these priorities and reasons and obligations and responsibilities and things that suck up our time that may be valid or may not be. All of these shoulds, I have to, I should, I must. And what I'm suggesting, the life-changing, are you on the edge of your seat? Yes. 15 minutes a day. Longer if you can. But just do something that brings you joy for 15 minutes every single day. Every single day. No matter what happens in your day. No matter if you are having a terrible day because you had a terrible day at work and you were really, really stressed out. Or maybe you're having a terrible day because you had all of the pain in your vagina and pain in your anus and pain in your head. Pain, 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 pain. Thank you, Brittany. In fact, I think that when you're having a terrible day, that is even more reason to turn to something that brings you joy. 15 minutes per day can literally make you change your relationship with your life. Because maybe you're having the most horrible day, but you get home. And you know you're going to spend 15 minutes painting your fingernails. And that is so relaxing for you to paint your fingernails. And when you're done, you look at your nails and they're this most perfect color and they're not chipped and look so satisfying. And you put your hands up and you're like, oh, I look so good with my nails. Or maybe you're bedridden and you're in pain and you're there with your heating pad. And you're like, oh, my 15 minutes of joy. And you put on an audiobook and you just listen to a really good novel that has you enthralled and on the edge of your seat. Building that 15 minutes of joy into your life can make you feel like your life has purpose, even on the most awful days. I think a big change came for me when I realized that allowing my life to have these meaningful moments and experience this joy was just as much of a priority as accomplishing everything else that I felt that I had to do in my day. That paying my rent was important, but also having my time outside with my book was important. And I was able to not dismiss one for the other and realize that I needed to make time for both of them. That was really integral for me because I would just push off the things that I didn't see as important. I had to mentally switch and understand that That finding meaning is important for our mental well-being. Finding meaning is important for our mental health. Finding meaning is integral and vital to our lives. And if we're just obligation, obligation, I should, I should, I work, I work, I pain, 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 
then we feel the Alice in Wonderland feeling that I had of what is the point? What is the point? Well, today sucked. Today work sucked. Today I was in pain. Today the stabbing vagina pains and the stabbing anus pains. Pain, 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 Horrible pain. Everything was horrible. And you had to go to the grocery store, which who loves doing that? No one. No one loves that doing is pain. that. <laughs> and you come home and you're, I don't know, your dog vomited in the house. And oh. Just everything is going wrong. And then you're like, ooh. But at 8 o'clock, I'm going to light a candle and I'm going to take a bath for 20 minutes. And that is just going to change the tone of my day and the relationship that I'm having right now with this day. So it is a falsehood. Ooh, a Robin Hood. Oh. Robin Hood goes and he takes away all the false beliefs from all the people in the kingdom. He's robbing the lies. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to just think like, I don't have time for this or it's not a priority because it's not quote unquote important. It is so, so important. And I think so many of us in, in this community, we know how important it is to take care of our mental health. And we're really good at self care and finding coping mechanisms and finding things that make us feel happy, even though life can be so painful, pain, 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 and so intolerable at times with endometriosis. And so what I want to say back to my awesome suggestion is to avoid what Brittany said about how there's no time, like pencil in your moment of joy into your calendar. That's what I do every night at 8.30 until 9.30. That hour is mine, my hour. And my boyfriend knows that. My kitties more or less know that. I mean, they meow. (laughs) But at 8.30 at night, I finished my job. I finished all my obligations of cooking my food for the next day and cleaning up the kitchen and scooping the cat's litter and going to the grocery store and working on the podcast and taking the cats outside for a walk. And at 8.30 every single night, that is my time, my time for me. I get to do whatever I want, which usually involves glitter. And that's my standing appointment with myself. And I never miss it because it is at the same time every single day. So maybe if you're able to say that this hour is my time or this half an hour, this 20 minutes, and maybe you're not able to say, look, at every day at this time, I can have that time for myself to find meaning. But maybe you're able to find 10 minutes in between your work meetings that you can just take a walk outside and maybe eat some dark chocolate. Mm. 90% dark. The dark. Ah. Or maybe when you get to work every day, maybe you leave your home, you get your children ready for school, and then you go to work every day. And before you go in, you just sit in the car for five minutes and you listen to a song that you really like or this podcast. Just think about how in your own life you can find these little ways to commit to finding meaning and actually bringing that meaning into your life. And that is so life-changing. We have a challenge for you. Our challenge is for you to find three things that you like to do. That's step one of the challenge. Just find three things that you like. That can be anything that we mentioned here or something that we didn't mention. The second part of the challenge is to have a really good poo and then run around the house and then jump on the counter and then jump on the table and then go to the window and then meow at the window and then go back to the toilet and then jump on the toilet seat. 
That sounds really dangerous, so that's not the second part of the challenge. Definitely don't jump on the toilet seat. <laughs> or the counter, or the table, or meow at the window. Don't do well, any of those things. Um, you can meow at the window. Yeah, I mean, fine. that's we'll not that quite way. unsafe. Just so. don't stand on the windowsill, please. Yeah. And don't, like, fall out the window. <laughs> no, that is not the second part of the challenge. The second part of the Sad. challenge. Well, can that be the second part of my challenge? Yes, Amy, that can okay. be. But I'm going to hold your hand the whole time. I'm not letting you fall Wow, off the counter. Or the you, table, or the toilet, so or you're the gonna sill. run. <laughs> Are we gonna like run together? I'm gonna have to. <laughs> Ooh, can we tie our legs together and then put like a potato sack over it and then be like the three legged, <laughs> three legged potato sack race? <laughs> wow, that's complicated. <laughs> no, that is not what we're gonna do. The second part of the challenge, as much as that sounds really fun and hilarious to watch, the second part of the challenge is to then find time in your week to do any number of those things. So maybe one of them is having a cup of tea every day. Maybe that brings you a lot of joy. No, it brings me joy. So find time in your week to have that cup of tea. And slowly do steps one and two in a cycle until you add more things more frequently. So that's our challenge is just to start with finding three things you like and adding up to three of those things into your week penciling it in your schedule, and being intentional about having that activity. What if I want to glitter pen it into my schedule? You can absolutely do that. What if I want to permanent marker it into my schedule? You can do that too. What if I want to write it in menstrual blood? I mean, you can do that, but that might be a biohazard. (laughs) (laughs) So don't let anybody else look at your schedule. (laughs) Also, when you were like, drinking a cup of tea brings me meaning and I do it every single day. So did I until histamine struck my life. But. But what did you do instead now? But. I have to say, with all of the loss of identity that came with this histamine problems and all the different millions of things, literally, that bring me flares, I didn't suffer such a huge loss of identity this time as last time when I first got sick with endometriosis because I realized that I could be flexible in the things that bring me meaning. And I realized that, yes, I mean, of course, I love the flavor of green tea. But what I love about drinking a cup of tea is that it's just you sit there and you do nothing and you have this warm cup in your hand and you're comfortable in your chair, maybe on a couch, and you just have a minute to slow down. And so I realized what I could do is that I could still get really comfortable and I could settle in for a few minutes and then I could just breathe slowly and deeply. If you turn on your heating pad and hold it between your hands, you'll still get the warm sensation. <laughs> oh, that's why every time I'm on my period, I get more satisfaction when I do this than when I'm not. Yeah, like, it's the heating I pad. I have a heating pad there. I'm like, oh, it's like a warm cup. Exactly. It's so like a go. cup of tea. Or put the mug in the microwave for 30 seconds and take it out. <laughs> After you've completed step one of the challenge and found the three things that you like to do, please share them with us. And definitely let us know if after you have a very satisfying poo, you (laughs) run around your house and feel really excited and feel a lot of adrenaline and a lot of dopamine. You might be part cat, and that'd be interesting (laughs) to know. (laughs) If you're like me and Amy, it was hard to find things that we liked when we first decided we needed to find things that we liked. So when you share things that you're interested in that bring you joy, it's also a great way to help other people find things that might bring them joy. So share away. Ooh, maybe you something that you share with us will bring me joy. So please, true. Please let me know what brings you joy. I think one of the most important aspects on our quest to find meaning in our lives 
is to find community in our lives. And the reason I say that is because finding community, people who understand what we're experiencing, people who hold similar identities to us, who have similar life experiences or ways that they view the world or interact with the world, can help us feel understood about what we're going through, can help us to feel seen and validated, and help us to know that we're not alone. This could be the endo community, a chronic illness community, a disability community, cultural, religious, queer, people who do art, people who like puzzles. There's so many communities out there for so many different identities and aspects and facets of who we are as people that allow us to feel connected to each other and allow us to feel like there's people out there that care and we can give care to people in our communities as well. Just as much as it's nice to be cared for by members of our community, it's also nice to know that I can care for another person in my community and make an impact on their life, just like somebody else made an impact on mine in my community. So, you know, on our website, we have our fantastic resources section, and we just put a new subsection to that with just some links for different communities within the endometriosis community, support groups, podcasts, websites. Places where people are actively forming communities around some of their various identities. If you liked everything we spoke about today, I just want to let you know that the idea of finding meaning is one of the main themes in the book that I wrote, which is called Finding Peace with a Devastating Disease. So if you'd like to read about my reflections on this topic, as well as on mindfulness, on the way we think about our illness, and on acceptance, then I definitely recommend that you check out my book. My book has 76 reflections on various topics related to emotional healing and finding peace, as well as guided journaling prompts at the end of each essay to help you explore what these concepts mean to you. I think it's always nice to see how these ideas can concretely apply to our own lives. Well, we thank you so much for listening to the podcast today and being here with Brittany, speaking to all of you listening is something that honestly brings our lives so much meaning. Everyone that we have connected with via this podcast and via our Instagram and via email, it has been such a joy to connect with real people who are going through very similar experiences, having endometriosis and similar feelings and similar struggles and similar ways that we're learning to try to find meaning and find joy and be happy anyways and be okay anyways and it has brought so much meaning the word of the hour so much meaning but it has brought so much meaning to our lives to be able to connect with all of you so if you'd like to reach out to us we are on instagram at in 16 years of endo and we are on the website in 16 years.com and there you can connect with us via email thanks so much and we'll talk to you next time